What's up, everybody? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Red and Gold Standard Podcast. My name is Zach Hernandez. You can follow me on Twitter at Zach Hernan. You can follow the podcast at RGS Pod. Uh, as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Anthony Perry. Anthony, how you doing? What's going on, Zach? What's going on, Faithful? It is your boy, Perry, back with another edition of the Red and Gold Standard Podcast. As always, guys, follow me on Twitter, Perry underscore 49ers. It's P-E-R-R-Y underscore 49 ERS. Let's get it rolling, Zach. We've got the draft in a couple days. It's a lot to talk about, and I couldn't be more excited, honestly. Yeah, um, this is going to be our last episode before the uh, NFL draft, and we are just going to go ahead and go over a quick little rundown of what we uh, what we what we like, what we don't like, and what we think might happen. So, without further ado, let's go ahead and get right into it, um, Anthony. Now. There's a lot, a lot of talk about how the 49ers should approach uh, this draft and and what what strategy they should take. Do you think that it is more important to protect Jimmy Garoppolo or surround him with weapons? Obviously, I think the definite answer is to keep him safe. But for where the team's Super Bowl window is at now and looking at the offensive line, You factor in the wide receivers also, and obviously the running backs, and the fact that the Niners do need another tight end to go opposite George Kittle. All those things you could call weapons. So in my opinion, I think Jimmy Garoppolo needs some more weapons, and this is the exact draft to find those kind of players. Whether it's guys like CeeDee Lamb and Justin Jefferson, or later in the draft like KJ Hamler and Jalen Rager, or you look at the running backs like DeAndre Swift, J.K. Dobbins, Cam Akers, the tight ends, Albert Okwigbunam and Hunter Bryant, There is a lot of talent in this draft for the Niners to address any type of offensive deficiency that they may have. For example, the number one wide receiver position or just a solid wide receiver to go opposite Debo, the Niners need it. They need another athletic, strong tight end who can make plays up the middle of the field like George Kittle. So they have a bunch of ways they can go about in this draft. But overall, I know protecting Jimmy Garoppolo is very important. But you consider the offensive line's like position, if you will, and where they're at. I think they can go another season or two being where they are. Obviously, Joe Staley isn't getting any younger. But I think they can maybe address tackle later in the draft or late in the first round if they can. But in my opinion, give them some damn weapons and let Jimmy Garoppolo have some fun. Okay. I can see that. Um, definitely with just kind of how this last season played out, the end of last season, um, as far as needing more weapons for Jimmy Garoppolo, um, however, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with protection. Um, I think that kind of the quarterback. It doesn't matter if he has Randy Moss and Jerry Rice on both sides. Uh, if you're giving him a second or two seconds before, you know, a defensive tackle or defensive end is coming up the middle and hitting him right in the mouth, there's nothing he can really do. And just like you said, with kind of Joe Staley on the verge of retiring, um, whenever, whenever the next season or so, I mean, I feel like it's kind of been talked about for the last couple of seasons, the 49ers don't really know when that's going to happen. So I think protection and, 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 you know, think of this last season, they kind of really, really lucked out with, um, you know, a couple of guys from other leagues that they signed um, that were able to, to uh, step in and play at, at a pretty high level. But if that didn't pan out, just imagine how 
the the season would have looked. I mean, it would have been completely different. Joe Staley missed some games. Mike McGlinchey missed some games. Um, ben Garland missed some games. So just, you know, it could have been completely, or excuse me, uh, Weston Richburg missed some games. So it could have been completely different had the offensive line not been able to still come together with the second string guys. And you can't always count on that. There are not enough quality offensive linemen in the NFL. So I think that um, it, it's not the sexier pick, but if the 49ers were to go uh, with offensive line early in this draft, I would not be mad at it at all just because it is, you know, it's it's like building a foundation and then you kind of add, the, you know, the sexier picks afterwards. But um, I got to go with offensive line and I, I could see the argument for for weapons. But I think if it was up to me, I'd go with, you know, the safer pick. Um, Anthony, what would you say is a position of need that's being currently overlooked? A position of need that's being overlooked. God, I, you know, it's been crazy because you're talking about offensive line and I know Jimmy Garoppolo needs more weapons, but I'm the type of guy who really wants to address the future. And I know I'm kind of going to contradict myself, but at least hear me out here. I think if the wide receiver that they want isn't there at 13 and they may not be able to get any good trade options for that 13th pick, I think they just they just got to go with one of the tackles that could likely be available. This includes Andrew Thomas, Makai Becton, Tristan Wirfs, Ezra Cleveland, Jedrick Wills, so on and so forth. There's a lot of solid tackle talent in this draft, and it's one of those things that you may not see it again like this for a long time, for quite a few years. So you never know what could play out or how it could be, and you just got to roll with the punches. Jill Staley isn't getting any younger, and it sucks, but... He's going to come to be eventually. We've heard all the rumors about how he could possibly retire. And if that comes to be after next season and the Niners weren't able to address tackle in this draft, which again, is a really deep tackle draft. There's a lot of good first round talent, but you can find plenty of good mid round talent also, assuming they trade back. So overall, I think tackle is being overlooked. People take guys like Joe Staley for granted, and even Mike McGlinchey, who play a very hard position where one injury or one play could change your entire career. And we see offensive linemen tear ACLs and break legs and get bad concussions, and it changes them entirely. So you never know what could happen to these guys, and that's why I think addressing tackle, and or not addressing tackle, but just the tackle position being overlooked is one of the biggest things that I don't think people fully understand. Yeah. And, and, you know, I definitely agree with that. Um, although for me, something that's being currently overlooked and, and hear me out here, I think it's, I got to go with, and this is going to sound kind of funny, but quarterback, um, not in the sense of starting a quarterback, obviously the four years have Jimmy Garoppolo. I don't think that, um, you know, I'm not one of these guys that wants to take a quarterback in the first round. However, after Garoppolo, um, you, you know, obviously you have Nick Mullins and then you have C.J. Beathard. However, there's been already some rumors that the 49ers were fielding offers or, or re- rejecting offers for, for Nick Mullins. And I think we all kind of saw um, what C.J. Beathard looked like, although briefly and early on in his career. But I just think that, you know, God forbid something were to happen to Jimmy Garoppolo again. Uh, the 49ers need a, you know, a quality backup quarterback and, and preferably a quarterback on a controlled salary. So I think that, you know, a quarterback, a backup quarterback, and then that would also give them some flexibility um, to, to 
to trade uh, Nick Mullins if they find the right offer or, you know, to not have to carry three quarterbacks going into the season, uh, which I thought was a bit ridiculous. And also kind of side note, I'd go with tight end as well. I know I think you mentioned it there, but, um, you know, a lot of people think that just because the 49ers have George Kittle, that they're they're set at that position. Um, However, there, there still needs to be depth. And we saw last season when George Kittle went out with an injury, um, the whole offense kind of went stagnant for a bit. So I think that quarterback and tight end, I definitely don't think they're being talked about enough uh, as positions of need for the 49ers. Obviously, quarterback with an asterisk, because when you say position of need, you probably think of starting positions. Uh, but I would go with backup quarterback. Um, now, Anthony, focusing on the NFL draft, um, there's so much focus on the 49ers taking a wide receiver uh, with their 13th pick. Which one of the big three uh, wide receivers is your favorite and which one fits best within this offense? You know, it's crazy when you talk about guys within this big three, Jerry Judy, Henry Ruggs, and CeeDee Lamb. They all could fit in this offense in some way. For example, Henry Ruggs brings that deep speed that Marquise Goodwin was able to do. Albeit, I think Henry Ruggs is a lot better of a catcher. I think he's a better route runner, and I think he's just a tougher guy overall. That's not to knock Marquise Goodwin, but it's just that's just who Henry Ruggs is. Then you look at Jerry Judy, a guy who has had some drop issues, but that doesn't dismiss the fact that he's a terrific route runner who can win contested catches and who will he will take a hit over the middle of the field from time to time, but you kind of see him lose a little bit of concentration when I think he anticipates the hit. But nonetheless, you know Kyle Shanahan is looking for route runners, looking for quick agility guys who can just get open in a pinch and just take off. And Jerry Judy may not have Henry Ruggs' speed, but I would say he's a tier or two below it. And Jerry Judy could definitely get the job done if he needs to. But this leads me to my favorite number one receiver in this draft is CeeDee Lamb. CeeDee Lamb is big, strong, tough. He's physical. He can win contested catches. He's a solid route runner. He may not have the top speed that everyone has been asking for from guys like Henry Ruggs and Jerry Judy. But damn, this guy is like... He's like this, I think he's six foot two. He's like the six foot one or six foot two Debo Samuel. His route running, I think, is right up there. His toughness is right up there. And I think toughness and physicality go hand in hand. And I just got to give it to CD Lamb, Zach. This is my favorite wide receiver in the whole draft, right behind Justin Jefferson. And if the Niners could make CD Lamb possible at 13, I know a lot of teams, and especially Adam Schefter, has been linking the Niners to a likely trade back. If they can get CeeDee Lamb at 13 and they can't get any good offers for the 13th overall pick, I would say just take CeeDee Lamb, man. The guy is a game changer. He's exactly what the Niners offense needs in terms of physicality from the wide receiver position. I think he would instantly become the next most reliable wide receiver right there, Debo Samuel and Kendrick Bourne. And he would just take the passing game to a whole new level. So give me CeeDee Lamb. I love the other three guys, but overall, give me CeeDee Lamb. You know what? I 100% agree with you. Um, Lamb is my favorite of the three, and I think he's also kind of the the wide receiver that the 49ers have the best chance of getting at 13. Um, There's been a lot of reports that, you know, teams want to move up. They're they're really interested in getting a wide receiver, and if that's the case, obviously their chances diminish uh, pretty severely of getting CeeDee Lamb. But, man, if 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 they're able to get CeeDee Lamb, I would be ecstatic because that is just one of uh, 
that would, that's kind of like my dream pick at 13. Um, I think he fits perfectly in this offense, like you said. Uh, he's able to, you know, take a slant 70, 80 yards to the house. And with this offense, you know, it's not the most explosive offense to where, you know, they're throwing the ball 30, 40 yards down the field. Um, it is a lot of underneath passes and letting the receivers kind of do the work with the um, uh, yards after the catch and with their ball in their hands, kind of get get the ball to the receivers and get them in open space. And I think that's kind of what Lamb is best suited for, his skills. Um, and, you know, 2019, he was averaging 21.7 yards per catch, which is just insane. Um, that's something that the 49ers desperately, desperately need. And I think that if they're able to get a guy like Lamb, I think they, they – you know, put the card in in two seconds, unless somebody's obviously willing to give up a, a king's ransom. But man, that would just be a perfect pick for the 49ers, and I would be so happy. Um, now, Anthony Benjamin Solak over at the Draft Network recently, um, actually tonight, dropped his last latest mock draft. Um, I just wanted to go over it with you real quick. Um, now they have the 49ers at 13 trading back with Philadelphia for 21 and 53 and you know heartbreakingly enough Philadelphia selects CD Lamb there at 13 um and then at 21 the 49ers select LSU wide receiver Justin De- Jefferson what do you think about that so like i said if i had to list like my four favorite wide receivers it's CD Lamb Justin Jefferson Henry Ruggs and Jerry Judy and that's not knocking the bottom two guys but Justin Jefferson is like C.D. Lamb light. I think he brings the exact same traits, the exact same physicality, the exact same toughness at the wide receiver position that C.D. Lamb brings. And he's honestly the most slept on wide receiver in this draft, at least out of the you know top 10 guys, I'd say. Michael Pittman is right up there too. Jalen Rager is right up there. But these guys don't compare to Justin Jefferson. He's a strong tall wide receiver that could win one-on-one catches he bullies dbs he runs routes better than the next guy and he just he will take a hit that's my favorite thing about justin jefferson is that when it comes to his game he will take a hit no matter where it is and he likes to block and he's a good blocker it's exactly what you ask for from a wide receiver just like cd lamb so if they can't get cd lamb and they trade back i give benjamin solak a huge props for this draft because they took uh they in this draft they took Justin Jefferson then the second round pick it was AJ Terrell I believe and then the next one was Kyle Duggar safety I'm not too big of a safety guy in the second round but nonetheless I give Solek a lot of props for building a solid mock draft with very good trade scenarios and I think this is a win win for the Niners through and through so if they come out with Justin Jefferson I will be the happiest guy on earth honestly. Yeah, you know, I I like the pick and I like the fact that they're able to trade down. Um, it would just, you know, part of me, I keep debating whether twenty one and fifty three is worth it to pass up on talent like C.D. Lamb. Um, and then you know, just Justin Jefferson's really really good. He's a fantastic route runner, um, and I think that he would do well in this offense. Um, but I just, you know, part of me would be torn over the fact that they, they passed up on Lamb uh, to acquire the 53rd pick, essentially. So I, I like it, and I, I do understand the logic behind it. But part of me, the majority of me, I, I think I'd say, would stay at 13 and just go ahead and take C.D. Lamb. Um, and yeah, like you said, 
at 31, he also has the 49ers trading with uh, the, the New York Giants, who would then select Zach Bond out of uh, Wisconsin. And the 49ers would send 31 and 245 in exchange for 36 and 150. And then at 36, he had them selecting um, cornerback Trayvon Diggs out of Alabama. Um, what do you think about that? Do you think that they would really have the guts to pull off two trade backs in a row? Yeah, correct, correct me for that mistake because uh, Trayvon Diggs and not A.J. Terrell. But yeah, I think John Lynch would have the guts to do that. Look, this team thrives on traffic in the middle rounds. We've seen guys like Dre Greenlaw, George Kittle, even Marcel Harris who came in and stepped up. Adrian Colbert came in and stepped up. I know he's gone, but he still flashed big time. And you have a GM who has a fantastic coaching staff, who has a fantastic analysis group, who knows how to observe these positions and knows how to just build a draft board. And if they can come out with a draft like this once again, I think they should do it and they should take it. It, it sucks. It really sucks that they couldn't get C.D. Lamb. But you look at how Solak built this draft for the Niners. They addressed the wide receiver position. They addressed the cornerback position. They do address safety in case they let Joukowsky Tart walk, who is on the final year of his contract. So that position would be fixed. And there's a lot of holes that are just basically filled, including depth throughout this mock draft. So i got to give Solak a lot of props. But if it fell this way, yeah, I can see it happen. Will the Niners trade back twice in, in the first round? You know, we talked about it on the last podcast. I would say it's more than – I feel like it's more than likely, again – these guys love their middle round picks, but John Lynch said on his uh, his little interview today with Rich Eisen on the Rich Eisen show that if there's about six guys on their like generational players board, I guess they called it, that they wouldn't pass on. So if one of those guys falls, and I'm hoping it's C.D. Lamb, but if one of those guys falls, I don't think they trade out of 13, but I could definitely see them trading out of 31. Yeah, again, I, I totally agree with you. Um, I think at 13, if there's just kind of that, that talent that they can't pass up, they, they like John Lynch said, they stand pat and kind of make the pick. However, 31, I like I think we said this on the last, mo- uh, last pod, excuse me, the 49ers, I would imagine, are more likely to trade back from 31 just because they can kind of see how the board plays out with the, from further out a little bit um, and, and see... Whereas at 16, you're kind of unsure. Everything's crammed. You know, there's only so many picks before that. And it, it's almost like, you know, we're right here. We need to do this right now because um, the elite talent's still here. We're at 31. The gap isn't as big um, if you move back a couple of spots into the second round. But the first half of the first round is really, really where kind of the, the, the cream of the crop is. But, um, yeah, and, you know, the... Solak then would take uh, Kyle Duggar, safety, like you said, who was able to replace uh, Chiquisky Tart if need be. Um, and we're not going to go over Solak's full mock draft here, guys, if you guys want to check it out. Uh, he did tweet it out. It's on thedraftnetwork.com. Make sure you go and check them out. They're doing great work over there. Um, but, yeah, I was just curious to get your thoughts on specifically the first round and two tradebacks back-to-back. Um, that would be something interesting to see uh and i'm sure it would get a lot of flack from all of 49ers twitter however seems like no matter what they do they will get some flack 
Now, speaking of getting flack, do you think that John Lynch and, and, and his front office can afford to have a bad draft? Uh, is there any scenario that lands him on the hot seat this year? I think a scenario that lands him on the hot seat is if the rookies they draft come in and don't perform. But I would say if they trade back and those rookies that they draft don't perform, because like, it's likely that the guys they draft in the middle rounds are depth guys, you know, because that's the big thing this team, I would say, lacks is depth at certain positions. Obviously, like cornerback, I would I would arguably say defensive line just because of injuries and stuff and losing Buckner and never know what could happen. But wide receiver, too, and tight end and all that. So depth is key. I wouldn't say that John Lynch failing this draft would put him on the hot seat, but it would draw a ton of criticism if they pull off these tradebacks and the vast majority of those draft picks just don't perform. And I know it's a lot to ask for from rookies in their first season, but when this is a Super Bowl team with a Super Bowl window, you need those rookies to perform. You need at least, I would say, in this draft class, based on the amount of picks and based on the situations that those guys are put in, I would say they need to, they need to hit on 60 to 70% of their picks as a whole. And a hit could be anything, but I would say just death guys who can contribute in a pinch or guys who contribute in any situation. And John Lynch has to nail it. I really think he does. If he wants to keep the Super Bowl window open, if he wants to address guys who will be leaving and who will be retiring at their respected positions, Lynch has to nail this draft. So again, it won't put him on the hot seat, but it will draw a lot of criticism if he does trade back and those picks don't necessarily pan out this season. Yeah, um, that's a pretty high percentage of picks that you're saying he'd need to hit on in order for it to be a success. I don't think that it would need to be that high of a success rate. Uh, when you kind of pause there, I, I kind of thought to myself, maybe two to three picks. Um, but, but like you said, you know, success and, and hitting on these picks is kind of subjective. It doesn't all mean that they need to be starting quality players that can, you know, perform at a high level day one. I get that. But I, I think that um, it, it would take a lot for him to be on the hot seat, uh, the actual hot seat, and more so not from fans or writers on Twitter or, excuse me, writers in the media that are just saying he's on the hot seat because he had a bad draft. Um, I think he has proved in his first couple of years here with the 49ers that he, he's kind of given a little bit of a longer leash, you know, a bit more slack every year. And I think if he were to have one kind of mess up year, he could kind of write it off, so to speak. Um, his first year was pretty rough, but that's kind of expected when somebody's not, you know, used to being a general manager or has no experience in the field. Uh, you know, it's kind of growing pains. Um, but I think you kind of hit it on the head where if they trade back and then the picks don't pan out, I think it, you would constantly hear nothing but uh, you know, they could have had so-and-so. They could have had C.D. Lamb and said, you got Justin Jefferson. Justin Jefferson didn't pan out at all. Stuff like that. I think that would be very, very hard for him to kind of get over um, and, and for the fans to get over because, you know, it's just the constant comparison between the two, and there's nothing you can really do about it. Um, now we're going to go ahead and wrap things up tonight, guys. It's not going to be a long episode. We just wanted to get you one more before the draft. Uh, some key key questions, key things we wanted to go over, and that's going to take us into our mailbag. Uh, we only have one question tonight, and that is from Sam16Right. Anthony, 
Will a top wide receiver in the draft be the best outcome for losing DeForest Buckner? <laughs> yeah, I think so. And I think that's an excellent question because you look at how impactful DeForest Buckner is versus how impactful a future wide receiver at number 13 could be. And obviously, Buckner's you know value won't go for naught because whatever they get out of the 13th pick or a trade back is going to benefit the team greatly. But you got to hope that the wide receiver or position of need that they draft at for 13th or in a trade back pays out. Because you look at that and it doesn't work out and it's like, oh man, we could have had Buckner for one more season. But it does work out at the wide receiver position. Then it's like, oh, well, Buckner's, you know, Buckner was a very mighty sacrifice. So, yeah, I think a wide receiver would greatly impact or greatly, I guess, greatly pan out for the team in the long run. I know trading Buckner sucks. I hated the Buckner trade, in my opinion. Well, not hated, but I just, I have a lot of remorse for it because I miss Buckner, but it's totally understandable from a team building and business perspective. They couldn't afford Buckner, point blank, and they had to choose between Buckner and Armstead, and obviously they chose Armstead due to flexibility and his just growth in a couple seasons. So you got to give them props for that. It was a business decision. They did what they had to do, and it's on. So if they get a CD Lamb or Justin Jefferson based off the 13th pick in a tradeback or whatever you call it, it, it was worth it. I think it was honestly worth it. And I think the wide receiver they take, I think the wide receiver they take with that pick, and I'm assuming wide receiver, will have more of an impact than Buckner would have had for the team this season. Yeah, yet again, I agree with you. Uh, I feel like we don't normally agree on much, uh, at least this much. But um, yeah, I think that it, it, it's kind of a, a hard question to answer in the sense that is it the best outcome? It's like obviously they could they could replace Buckner with somebody at his position that could potentially be just as good and just as disruptive on the defensive line. However, I don't think that's what this team needs right now. Um, I think that they're desperately missing some weapons on the outside, and if they're able, to, it's like trading you know one piece for another, trading a really really nice jacket for a really really nice pair of shoes. It's like you know. Um, they're not really comparable when you line them up each, once against each other. But if you say you had two pairs of shoes and you, you know, you had only one jacket, it's like, you know, when you kind of put it into context, yeah, it makes sense. So I think that if the 49ers are able to kind of trade what they want or what, what they, you know, can't afford or what they can't keep anymore for something that they really, really do need, I think it's the best outcome because a starting caliber wide receiver is exactly what they need. And just like you said, unfortunately, they weren't able to afford to keep DeForest Buckner. So they were able to kind of flip it and get a really, really good return on their investment and hopefully still turn that into something that really helps the team uh, in a big way moving forward. Um, that's going to do it for us tonight, guys. We're going to wrap it up with our uh, standard shout-outs. Anthony, you got any for us tonight? This isn't Niners-related, really, but well, actually, I guess it is. But how about a standard shout-out to the Buccaneers for getting Rob Gronkowski with Tom Brady? Obviously, Gronkowski is going to need to stay healthy for that to really work out, but assuming he does, holy cow, that Buccaneers offense just got many. And really, they traded Gronkowski for a fourth-round pick. So you heard about how they were trying to trade off O.J. Howard. Well, 
you trade a you trade for a guy who's going to turn 31 coming off of retirement who has a pretty long injury history for just a fourth round pick and you figure Gronkowski's caliber too I think the Bucks just drove the price down on OJ Howard so if the Niners can get a steal off of OJ Howard maybe for that Broncos fifth round pick or whatever it may be or a six pull the trigger give George Kittle another nice weapon right alongside him and let's leave the draft happy so shout out to the Bucks. Yeah, actually, it's funny you say that. Um, our own Matt Llewellyn was kind of talking about how the Bucks kind of shot themselves in the foot by acquiring uh, Rob Gronkowski for so cheap. Um, it, it really, really, like you said, drives the price down on OJ Howard. And, you know, obviously it kind of shows their hand. It's like I doubt they're planning on keeping Gronkowski and Howard, although they definitely could. I just don't think that that's the case. Um, for my standard shout outs, I just have two. Uh, the first one, I'm sure all of you guys saw John Lynch's tweet where he kind of showed his his at home draft war room. But man, that thing is amazing. Um, it's got, you know, six screens, six computer screens, three telephones, landlines, you know, like and it's just it's it's like a, a draftee's dream. Um, and also. I saw, or I heard rather today on the Rich Eisen show that if his setup somehow goes wrong, uh, he loses power, his internet goes out, whatever the case may be, um, that it would defer directly to Adam Peters. I just thought that was interesting. And then uh, my second standard shout out is uh, the PFF SF 49ers account tweeted out leaders in yards after catch since 2018. Uh, and none other than Christian McCaffrey's first with 1,858 yards. However, our own George Kittle is second with 1,494 yards. And that just, you know, it, it's fantastic. He's literally the only one in the top five that's not a running back. So it just goes to show how beastly he is with the ball in his hands. Um, that's going to do it for us tonight, guys. Really appreciate you guys tuning in. Um, and also we are going to be having, um, uh, we're going to be streaming the draft, uh, as of right now, it's going to be me and our own Matt Llewellyn, and we're going to just be, you know, hanging out, going over all the picks with you guys. So go ahead and make sure you follow that. We'll be tweeting out the links. Uh, it'll be on our YouTube channel at 49ers Hive. We'll, we'll try and get it up on Twitter as well, uh, through Periscope. So if you guys have any questions, you want to join, whatever it may be, uh, just tweet us. And make sure you go subscribe to our YouTube channel. And we are also still uh, trying to get to 7,000 on Twitter and 1,000 on Instagram. We'll be hosting separate uh, giveaways once we reach those milestones. So please go and make sure you follow us on both. Uh, it's the same handle, at 49ers Hive. Uh, make sure you do that for us and help support your boys. Uh, Anthony, you want to sign off for us? All right, guys. As is the case. Thanks for listening to the Red and Gold Standard Podcast. This was a really good episode. I cannot wait for the draft tomorrow. It is going to be a lot of fun. A lot of, or tomorrow. In two days. I'm already, I'm already excited for the draft, man. I just want this thing to get on. I've been waiting forever. I've been stuck in quarantine. Everyone's been talking about dumb football takes and this and that. And how the Niners are going to come out with a linebacker. And Nah, nah. That's all BS. But, Zach, I'm really excited for the draft. It's about damn time. We're going to see how this... I think this draft in particular is going to mightily affect the Niners' future for the good or for the better based on who they take. But nonetheless, guys, thank you so much for listening to Zach and I. Zach will give you his Twitter handle, but for me, 
I'm signing out here. Follow me on Twitter, Perry underscore 49ers. That's P-E-R-R-Y underscore 49-E-R-S. Yes, sir. And uh, my, my Twitter handle is at Zach Hernan, Z-A-C-H-H-E-R-N-A-N. And make sure you guys are following the podcast as well at RGS Pod. And if you guys are listening on Apple Podcasts, please, please do us a favor and leave a review. Uh, we read all of them, all of them, excuse me. And we really appreciate you guys taking the time out of your day to do that. Uh, have a good night. Have a good day, whatever time you're listening to this at. And uh, we will see you guys when the draft is occurring. Go 49ers.